You want to know about my day? Get some coffee so I can get the latest scoop at work. Tell my buddy secrets about what so-and-so has been saying about him. Check out the latest celebrity gossip. Play some politics with the boss. Get the latest scoop at work. Tell my buddy secrets. Celebrity gossip. Politics with the boss. Rumors, secrets, gossip, politics. Rumors, secrets, gossip, politics. You think these sins are avoidable? If you ask me, I think they are absolutely necessary. Well, I am very thankful today to have all of you with us as we worship God together and share in his words. I'm thankful to have all of you at all of our live churches and our partnering network churches all over the world. We love you all so, so, so much. We're also thankful for those of you from countries all over the world joining us right now at Church Online. Uh, let me tell you where we are. We're in the second week of a four-part message series called Necessary Sins. If you missed last week, you may say, what is a necessary sin? Well, unfortunately today, there are many sins in our culture that everybody would agree would always be wrong, murder and, and rape and really big and bad things like that. But in kind of our softened culture, there are a lot of things that are wrong in the eyes of God, but many people would say aren't really that big of a deal. There may be what we might call uh, more acceptable sins or more permittable sins or more necessary sins. The reality is, though, just because culture says they're okay does not mean that God says they're okay. And so we're looking at four of these very common sins in our study together. Last week we looked at lying. Next week I want to tell you we're going to talk about lust. And I really have some insight that I believe is going to be helpful to a lot of people who say this is just kind of how I am and I can't overcome this. And then week number four, we're going to talk about anger and our temper. How do we let God direct that emotion in the right direction? Before I introduce our subject for today, what I want to do is repray the very same prayer we're going to pray every single week as we enter into the study. This is a prayer of David from Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. We prayed it last week. If you're comfortable saying this aloud, I would love for you to make it your prayer along with me. Here's our prayer. Say it with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search us, God. See if there's anything anxious in us. Point out anything in us, God, that would offend you. Lead us along the path of everlasting life. Now, with our hearts open to hear from God, I want to tell you today's subject is a little bit of a difficult one. Touch your neighbor and say, this one's for you. Go ahead and do it right now, all of our churches, and say, this one is for you. If you've got any juicy gossip that you just have to share, you've got about 12 seconds to share it, because after this message, you may not be talking about anything for a long time. Our subject today is gossip if you don't like my message and don't agree with it, you can always gossip about me later on. 
but I hope that God's going to speak to you in a way that would impact your life. Uh, let's just get into it this way. How many of you have ever been gossiped about someone was talking about you? Yeah, it's very painful. In my line of work, that's kind of just part of the game. You know, it happens a lot. Believe it or not, I actually walked up on two guys gossiping about me one time. And it got really awkward for all of us. I was in the grocery store years ago, and I went up to the guy who was checking the groceries out, and there was a guy who was bagging the groceries. And right when I came up, the checker said to the bagger, um, yeah, I hear that they're a cult. And I just thought, oh, I might pique my interest, being that I'm a pastor and all. And so I just said, who's a cult? And the guy didn't even look up, and he said, well, Life Church, they're a cult. And he was putting my fruit through the deal. He said, really? Tell me more. <laughs> and he kind of just looked up briefly and he kept on talking. He said, well, I hear the pastor kind of looks like Tom Cruise, although I don't really believe that part. <laughs> but the guy doesn't even go to church anymore. He just holograms himself from his own living room into the different churches. He has everybody chant to him, this memorized chant, and when he does go to his churches, he only flies in his helicopter from church to church. <laughs> now, at this point, I'm kind of partially amused and partially offended. I said, I got to just stop everything right here. I'm sorry I was messing with you guys, but you just need to know I am Craig and I'm the pastor of, of Life Church, and they went white as a ghost. I'm so sorry. And about this time, I think I'm going to jack with these guys. And I said, hey, no offense whatsoever. It's no big deal. I can understand how you would hear that and such. But if you don't mind hurrying up with my groceries, my helicopter is going to land in about two minutes to pick me up, and I need to get going. And so, anyway, I said, I'm just messing with you guys. But just for the record, Everything that you said is categorically false. Nothing you said is true, except my wife thinks I look a little bit like Tom Cruise. <laughs> so that part's true, but everything else isn't. And it's kind of an odd little story to walk up on somebody gossiping about you. But in our culture today, gossip just seems like a necessary part of getting through the workday. It almost seems like a necessary part of conversations with our friends. Hey, I'm not really not supposed to tell anybody this, but you're not going to believe what I heard. Hey, wait until you hear what everybody's saying. Hey, you got to promise not to tell anybody this, but I'm about to tell you something you're going to really want to hear. It's not that big of a deal, is it? I mean, everybody does it. So let's go ahead and, and try to define what gossip is, and then we're going to look at what God says about gossip. I, I looked up a bunch of different definitions for gossip. I thought the most practical one was actually the way Pastor Rick Warren described it. It's not a literal uh, definition, but to me it's very workable. He said this, he said, when we're talking about a situation with somebody who's neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we are probably gossiping. It's an interesting perspective. When we're talking about something with someone who's not a part of the solution or problem, we're probably gossiping. Not that big of a deal, right? Well, let's see what God says about it. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, and then we'll look at 19. Verse 16 says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven 
that are detestable to him. He doesn't just not like them. God despises these seven things. And in this very short list of things that God cannot stand, verse 19 says, God despises a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God cannot stand. He detests gossiping. Now, I ask myself, I wonder why that gossip would make it in such a short list of things that God hates. And I don't know for sure, but I thought of two possible reasons. One I'll tell you now, and another one I'll tell you in a moment. One is, I don't know about you, but people can gossip about me and I can kind of tolerate that, but you gossip about one of my kids and ooh, I'm fighting mad, right? It, it might even be true, but if you say something about one of my children, man, it fires me up. And you think about it, Every time we talk about someone else in a negative light, who are we actually talking about? We're talking about one of God's children. And that may be one reason why it's so offensive to him. But what's odd is even though this is incredibly wrong and hurtful, there's something sickeningly attractive about the sin of gossip. In fact, Proverbs 18.8 says, the words of a gossip are like what? Say it with me. They are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. There's something sickeningly enjoyable about participating in the destructive sin of gossip. And so last week when we talked about lying, we tried to get down another level and really get to the motive and the root of the sin. And I want to try to do that again with gossip. I went and asked some different people, why do you gossip? If you ever do, just be real, real honest. And I even looked at my own life when I participate in gossip and asked, what is it that drives me to gossip? And as I talked to different people, here's some things that they said. Well, honestly, if I'm sharing gossip, it makes me feel kind of important. I've got the power in this situation, and all of a sudden I feel elevated. Others said, when I'm hearing gossip, it makes me feel better about myself. I mean, there's something great when someone else looks bad, and it makes me feel good about myself. One guy said, honestly, I think I've got such a boring and dull life. Hearing something juicy on someone else is like entertainment to me. The bottom line is, as I heard every reason, and as I looked at my own life, I couldn't find a single good reason to participate in gossip. In fact, every reason that I might do it is a reflection of the darkness in my own heart. Why do you think God may hate gossip? One reason could be because he hates when we make his children look bad. The other reason could be because it's a reflection of the darkness and sinfulness of the human heart. Why do you gossip? Not a single good reason. So if we can agree that yes, everybody may do it, but just because everybody does it doesn't mean that it's pleasing to God. And as followers of Jesus, we believe God is calling us to live higher than the culture and to live according to his word, and that even though everybody else does something, we want to live in a way that is pleasing to him. So how do we overcome this sin of gossip? 
What I did is I looked at every verse in the Bible anywhere close to this subject, and there's a lot in Scripture about this subject, and I broke it down into three specific questions that I want to raise that I believe can be very helpful to all of us to overcome the sin of gossip. So when we're doing this, we're talking to somebody. First question we're going to ask is this, is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Say it with me, all of our churches, everybody, is my conversation helpful or hurtful? hurtful. In fact, in Ephesians 4, we're going to see the guy who was named Saul, who said the most hurtful and destructive things about Christians. Then he saw the light, became a follower of Jesus, and watch how Saul, who became Paul's tone, completely changed. He said this, do not let any what? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is, what, say it with me, only what is helpful for building others up. Don't let anything unhelpful, unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful to build others up. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Proverbs 16, 27, and 28, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, scoundrels create trouble. Their words are what? Their words are a destructive blaze. Your words can burn lives. He goes on to say, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife, and what does a gossip do? A gossip separates the best of friends. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? And what I want you to do is to be really, really honest. Be really honest. In fact, that's what I did is I kind of just looked um, truthfully at my life. And as a pastor, I got to tell you, I cannot afford to be known as a gossip. Because one of my God-given roles is to carry the intimate details of some people's lives, to help shepherd them through it. And I cannot be a gossip. But I'll be, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I'll tell you, when I looked at my conversations, I would actually disguise gossip and what I would call a compliment sandwich. In other words, I'd say something nice about somebody, then because I said something nice, I'd just freely gossip, and then I'd say something nice at the end to make myself feel better, okay? I don't know if you've ever done this. People would ask me about pastors sometimes. Hey, what do you think about pastor so-and-so? Oh, man, he's a great guy. I really like him. Compliment. You know, I don't really like the way he teaches about this and the way he uses money I would never do. And he really isn't at home in his church as much and kind of neglects it to be on the road sometimes. But I really like the guy. Compliment, gossip, compliment. Hey, Craig, what do you think about so-and-so in your church? Oh, man, she's really growing in the things of God, and she's making forward movement, but she's still, you know, she's not real trustworthy, and I wouldn't hire her or let my kids near her or go anywhere in the same state when she's there, but she's really growing in the things of God, and I'm exaggerating to make a point, but compliment, gossip, and compliment, and that is not helpful, and we need to be honest about it. And then if we can go just to a whole nother level of honesty, sometimes as Christians, you know where the best gossip takes place? In prayer meetings. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You get to a prayer meeting. First of all, a prayer meeting is just a mess anyway because you're sitting around people you don't know, and you got one guy on one hand, you're, trying to, you're holding hands with strangers, and one guy got the dead fish handshake. You're like, come on, you got any life in there? And the other guy's the professional hand squeezer. The louder he prays, the harder he squeezes. And Jesus, I got 
I'm unequally yoked, you know, and it's just a, it, it, and, and so what they do is, before you even get into it, it's gossip session. So who do we need to pray for today? Oh, honey, I'll tell you who we need to pray for, child. You ought to hear what old sister so-and-so's doing. She's been staying laid out at her boyfriend's house, and I drove by, and her car was there. And I came back by at 3 in the morning, and it was still there. And I came back by at 7 in the morning, and she is shacking up with her boyfriend. She's living in a way that's disgusting unto the Lord. And we need to lift her up and pray that God would heal her from her sickness and her sin because she's living in filth, and I can't stand it when people live in Phil. So let's talk about her for the next hour and 45 minutes, and then we don't have time to pray. But oh, we feel so good when we're praying for sister so-and-so, right? We have to be honest. This is my, but, 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 but it's true. I mean, her car was there, right? It's true. It's true. If it's true, then it's fair game, right? No, 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 no. So scripture doesn't say the line of delineation is true or untrue, but helpful or unhelpful. See, here's the deal. Everything you say must be true, but everything that's true does not need to be said. Oh, hashtag good preaching. Somebody needs to help me out because I'm going to say that again. Everything, I don't know if you guys are going to have fun with me today or not, but we're getting up in the house, okay? Everything you say must be true, but everything that is true does not need to be said. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? And I want my words to lift others up rather than tear them down. Is my conversation helpful or is it hurtful? The next question we're going to ask is this. Am I making private matters public? Am I making something that should have been kept in confidence public? Proverbs 11, 12 and 13, Solomon again says, It's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps his trap shut. That's the new Craig version. There at the end. A gossip does what? Help me. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Am I making private matters public? I'll give you an example. There was this uh, couple that Amy and I were working with one time, the, um, the husband committed adultery on the wife, and it was tragic, a horrible deal. And by the grace of God, he was very repentant, and his wife was actually coming around, and she was, um, she was forgiving him, she was growing, and they were healing in their relationship. And so whenever we're working with someone like that, the right thing to do at the appropriate time is to bring in a little broader community where they have those who are closest to them help them heal. If you keep it a secret forever, then, it, then, it's, then it's a secret and you don't totally heal. And so you bring the appropriate people in at the appropriate time and you get their support. And that's what we do in life groups. And so we went to their group and they were making it public and the group was so helpful and the wife was even healing even more. Then one lady in the group 
thought that she needed to tell one other lady outside of the group, even though we said, don't tell anyone. And she told someone else just to have them pray. And this person went on Facebook and told all of her friends to pray. And when it went public like this, the betrayed wife broke down. And she's like, I can't go out in public now. I'm too humiliated. I, 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 I'm, I can't, we can never recover from this. And she just spun out and ended up divorcing her husband. And I'm telling you, they were on the mend toward healing. And as I kind of did the autopsy on that failed marriage, in my opinion, it wasn't actually adultery that killed that marriage as much as it was gossip. As much as it was gossip. It's like a destructive blaze. And I'm telling you, especially in our social media world today, sometimes we just tend to think, well, hey, someone sent me this text so I can just copy and paste and send it to someone else. That, that may seem acceptable, but that really is a form of gossip. It's taking something that was meant to be private and making it public. I mean, you, you can, none of you are going to pick up your phone and call 300 of your closest friends to tell them something, but you got no problem at all putting it on Twitter, okay, and sending it out like that. We have to ask ourselves, am I making private matters public? And I'm not going to be a part of that for two reasons. One is because I want to protect others, and I will. But secondly, quite honestly, I also want to protect myself. I want to protect my reputation that I am a trustworthy person who can keep a confidence. Again, look at Proverbs 25, 9 and 10. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Or others may do what? Others may accuse you of gossip and you'll never regain your good reputation. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Am I making private matters public? Now, if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, go ahead and stick your shoes out, because I'm coming for you. And I got heels on today, so I'm gonna step hard, all right? You ready? I don't wanna leave anybody out. We're an equal toe-stepper honor offending group. Okay, so here's the next question. Am I permitting others to gossip? Am I permitting others to gossip? Proverbs 17.4 says this, wrongdoers. Everybody say wrongdoers. wrongdoers. Say it again. Come on, you guys, work with me. Wrongdoers. Everybody say it. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. They pay close attention to slander. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. In other words, not only is it wrong to speak the gossip, it's also wrong to listen to the gossip. Why? Because what you permit, you promote. Whoo, take that on your toes. What you permit, you promote. If you listen to it, you are promoting it. If you listen to it, you are participating in it. If you are listening to it, you are actually facilitating it. What you permit is what you promote. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. So if somebody's all like, hey, I got to tell you this, and oh, you're not going to believe this, and have you heard, what we're going to do is we're going to draw a line in the sand and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going there. I'm not going to allow you to do that. Because if I permit it, I'm promoting it. And besides, from a very practical standpoint, hey, check this out. If they will gossip 
to you, what else will they do? They'll gossip about you. And so we're not going to hang around that kind of behavior. So do you mind if I get practical with you? Let's get real practical. Is that cool? Everybody cool? All right. I'm going to give you three different roads into stopping a conversation. I'm going to give you a choice, uh, three choices. If you want to be really loving, that's one choice. If you want to be direct, that's another choice. If you want to do it with attitude, that's another choice. I want you to go, ahead and, before we get there, tell me which one's yours, okay? Loving, direct, or attitude. Who wants to be loving? Loving, loving, loving. Oh, not very many loving people. All right. <laughs> direct, who's going to be direct? Direct, good. Who's got attitude? Go ahead and be honest. Just put your hand up there because you ain't got nothing but attitude. All right. Loving. You want to be loving? Here's what you say. Hey, if, if so-and-so heard us talking about them behind their back, I don't think they would appreciate that, and we want to be a good friend to them as they would be a good friend to us, so why don't we talk about something else? It's loving, right? Loving. A direct, okay. Hey, hey, listen, if you've got a problem with them, why don't you go directly to them? And then if you want to add some fuel to the fire, besides Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, and then you can quote a little scripture at him just to get a zinger in there, right and left, all right? Direct. Now, if you want to do it with attitude, you got to do it right. You got to start it off like this, okay? <laughs> Let's just practice. Everybody, even if you don't have attitude, you got to know how to do it when the time's right. So you kind of, I'm not very good at it, but you, you know, you kind of start like that, and then you say, oh, no, no, you don't. Practice with me. Come on. One, two, three. Oh, no, no, you don't. Uh, that's not bad. We, we can do better. But he said, oh, no, you don't. Okay. If you keep that up, I'm not going to hang out with you. Okay. It's not with you when you got attitudes with you. Okay. Oh, no, no, you don't. I'm not going to let you go there. Because if you're going to gossip to me, you may gossip about me. And then you just draw a line in the sand and say, God is calling us to something higher. So you may say, okay, Craig, that means we can never talk about somebody else unless they're there. And that's not what I said. Listen, you can talk good about them all day long. You can brag and brag and brag and brag. But can we ever talk about them in a way to help them? And the answer is, I believe, yes. But those times should be very, very rare when you talk about a person who is not there in any way that is not just glowingly positive. And for me, I have two rules. You can make up your own rules. But first rule is this. I'm going to talk about somebody else who's not there when, number one, I'm saying something constructive that I would also say in front of them. I'm saying something constructive that I would say to their face. And notice I didn't just say something I'd say to their face. Because, honey, if she was here, I'd get in her face and I'd tell her what I think about her. And that's not what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is that it's something constructive that you would say um, to them. The second thing is that everyone involved in the conversation has to be there to help this person. If anyone's there wanting trashed, and I'm not talking like that in front of them. For example, someone's um, got an addiction problem, or someone's walking away from God, or someone's cheating on their spouse, and we're a small group. Hey, listen, we love this person too much. We've got to go and help get them into rehab. And so let's make arrangements and let's go do a confrontation. Hey, we love this person, and they're doing things that are destructive in their own lives. And so because of that, we're going to go sit down and have a real come-to-Jesus meeting and lovingly try to help them. This person, you know, they're cheating on their spouse. And listen, guys, we stick together. We agreed. We're warriors, man. We're not going to let another brother go down, so we're going to go stand in his face and say, you're going to have to get by us if you're going to go someone else besides your wife. We're here for you. 
and it's all in the conversation of we love and we want to help this person. Because the bottom line is we have to embrace this truth. If I want to summarize everything we're talking about, it's this. Your words matter. The words you speak are incredibly important and powerful. Jesus said this, Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37. He said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Wow. For some of you, that might be a long meeting. Right? For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Your words matter. What I need to understand is that my words have the power of life and of death. And every time I'm speaking, if you catch me speaking of someone else, I want to be caught speaking well. I want to be caught saying things that are helpful and never hurtful. I want to be caught believing the best about other people and never assuming the worst. I want to be a person who is a part of the solution in building others up and never a part of the problem tearing them down. I want my words to be seasoned with salt, full of love, lifting people toward the things of God and always believing the best. I want my words to be helpful and kind and encouraging and full of blessing and never full of curses because my words are powerful. And ultimately, I reflect the God who is a speaking God, who when he created the earth, how did he do it? He spoke because in his words were life and creation. And to summarize what Christianity is, it's called the gospel, which if you know what the gospel means, it, it means Good news. So rather than being a conduit for bad news and death and pain and destruction, I want to be a vessel for good news, sharing the truth and the grace of what God can do in the lives of those around us. So when everyone else says, hey, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's really, you know, it's not really hurting anybody. No, words are powerful. And just because everyone else says is acceptable or necessary, God calls us to a higher standard. And when I'm caught speaking about others, I want to be caught always speaking life and never speaking death. Father, I pray today that by the power of your living word that transforms lives, that our hearts would be open to what you would say to us and God, that our conversations would be different because we've been in your presence. So you take a moment and you pray at all of our different churches. What I did in my own life this week is I just said, God, I want you to guard my conversations with your Holy Spirit. In other words, every time I'm talking about someone, that these, these questions would just come to the front of my mind. And I'd ask myself, just, just, just even, even consciously or unconsciously, is this, is this helpful or hurtful? Am I making a private matter public? Am I even permitting someone to say something that would be displeasing to you? Because God, I want my words to be words of life and never words of death. At all of our churches today, those of you who would say, I really, I want that in my life. I want my words 
to be honoring and life-giving. I don't want to ever, ever sink to a lower level. I, I don't want to participate in gossip and hurt anyone else and even to show the darkness that's in my heart. God, I want you to heal my heart and lift me above that. At all of our different churches, those of you who say, yes, God, just remind me, prompt me, guide me that my words would be full of life and never full of death. If that's you, would you just lift up your hands right now? Just all over the place, lift them up. And I'm so thankful for, for those of you that really sincerely are hearing from God and want him to make a difference in your life. God, I pray today that we would be very sensitive, even as week number one, we, we see that we can lie and, and be deceit, deceitful and deceptive. God, convict us continually. God, I pray that our words would reflect your heart, that we would never sink lower to participate in something that would hurt others or bring a disgusting enjoyment to our hearts. God, let our words be full of life, full of encouragement. God, help us to believe the best and never assume the worst. God, I pray that we would be trusted with confidences that we could minister to others without bringing unnecessary people into the situation, that we could only be a part of the solution, God, and that our words would never be a part of the problem. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, there may be those of you today like, oh man, this kind of you know, hits me and I kind of feel guilty about it. In fact, when I even think about my whole position with God, I often feel guilty. I feel like I'm not good enough for God. And let me just say as simply as I can with the power of these words, that's an accurate statement. None of us are good enough for God. But if you summarize Christianity, it's called the gospel, which means good news. And let me tell you what the good news is. The good news is we could never be good enough for God on our own. So God, in his unconditional love and mercy, did something for us that we were incapable of doing for ourselves. He became one of us in the person of his son, Jesus, who lived a life without sin, died for our sins, and rose again. Let me tell you about words. So that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who confesses with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, will be saved, forgiven, transformed, made new. What does that mean? That means whoever you are, whatever you've done, how bad you, you've been, that in the grace of God, in his presence as you call on him, every sin you've ever committed will be forgiven and you can be made brand new. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's why many of you are here. And all of our different churches, those of you who say, I want to turn to him. I need his grace today by faith. I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now? Just lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Right back here in the back, right, both of you right back there. God bless you guys right here in this section. Praise God for you. Both of you, all three of you right up here. Blessings to all, all of you ladies right here. Both of you right back here in this section, right back over there as well. Church online, you click right below me. Over here on this side, God bless you. Way back over here, yes, I need his grace. Both of you right here and right back over here in this back section as well. Wow, others of you say, yes, Jesus, save me. Transform me. Make me brand new. Would you pray with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me. Make me new. Jesus, be my Lord, the Savior of my life. I give my life completely to you. It's not my own. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody worship loud, clap. Thank God for his goodness. Welcome those today born into the family of God.